G'day money miners, the plot thickens. When we thought it couldn't get any thicker for the Leonora asset sales, Silver Lake resources have entered the mix in a very weird way that we're going to unpack today. JD Trav, your excitement levels are peaking at the moment. This is what you are here for. This is money of mine. And as everyone can see, I've got a bit more enthusiasm in my yeah, voice you're today. Yeah, you're a bit chirpier today, mate. Oh, she was a bit, uh, was a bit slow yesterday, but I've, I've come back nine hours sleep. And what a topic to discuss, lads. That's it. It looked like the uh, the market waited for you and we're onto a good one here. Oh, mate, what is, what is happening? Uh, this is the deal that just has a million turns and I don't think we've seen the last of it yet, Maddie. Geez, wouldn't uh, Genesis and Rally be getting the shits at how many times they've got to redo this deal, possibly, That's possibly. It. And for those wondering what the hell we're talking about, break it down, Matty, what's happened? Right, let, now let's, okay, I'll, I'll go over it. So Silver Lake put an announcement to the ASX for a superior offer for the Leonora assets for St. Barbara and the ASX refused to post it. Well, that's what it appears like. You know, yeah. this Silver Lake at the bottom of the, the media release because it only came out on their website. It says this was not approved by the ASX. Isn't that, yeah, it's pretty curious, right? And so they, they've posted it. So let, so Silver Lake have posted the announcement anyway, just on their website. Yeah, on their website, and on the bottom it says not this authorized. this announcement was authorized by Managing Director Luke Tonkin, but was not authorized by the ASX. So since then, Saint Barbara have jumped ten percent for the superior offer, and we'll go over what the offer is. Genesis have gone down 15%, so they were, they were trading higher up as a you would assume a function of the gold price soaring this week, but now they're down 15 Silver Lake are only down a couple of percent, considering Silver Lake's uh, market cap's $1.13 billion. Genesis are in the 600 so a lot bigger company. Um, and as I said, St. Barbara are up to $0.70, cents. so... Lads, right, let's go through the deal, set the scene. There is a bloody heap to unpack on this and it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. So the Genesis deal, which had been recut on the 17th of April, was on track to wrap up end of June. So as a part of that deal, they were raising $470 bucks at $1.15 and as Maddie sort of highlighted, they were trading well above that. They were trading in the low $1.40 sort of range yesterday morning. So... That capital raising has to be broken into two tranches because it needs shareholder approval. The first 70 million bucks, that's out of the way, that's done. The second tranche, $400 million, is expected to settle late June. And like I said, that needs shareholder approval. So Silver Lake, all, all WA time, what we'll talk here, come out with a media release roughly midday yesterday. So obviously, like we said, this wasn't authorised for release. Now, 12.35, St. Barbara go into a trading halt. 12.52, Genesis going to a trading halt. But you could see, like Maddie also highlighted there, that the share prices had start to move already because the market's seen this announcement that Silver Lake have come out with. And the early indication, St. Barbara being up, Genesis being down and Silver Lake being roughly fat, flat, that's in the sort of hour or so after the announcement has come out, it just gives you an early sort of indication of what the market kind of thinks of this deal. And just to wrap on yesterday's events, 
later in the afternoon, St. Barbara come out with an announcement. They sort of summarise the, the deal that Genesis has pitched. They summarise the deal that Silver Lake has pitched. And they come out with a, a rationale as to why they don't think this is a superior offer to the Genesis deal. And Genesis also come out with a bit of an announcement, just uh, emphasising that the St. Barbara board has stuck by their decision and still thinks that they have the superior offer. So Money minus, bear with us here. There are so many angles that make this so freaking interesting. And, I, and we will get to them one by one, but my gosh. Absolutely. Where do we let's, start, JD? Let's get into the deal math. So on paper, the Genesis deal is valued at $600 million on the day of announcement, and that was 17th of April, so a few weeks back now. Now, it's important to remember this isn't fixed. It's not $600 million set in stone. $230 million of that was to be paid in shares, the remainder in cash. Now, what we'll dig into more is that share component and specifically $60 million, so 52.2 million shares, was contingent upon Tower Hill achieving first production. Now, both St. Barbara and Genesis make it pretty hard to find out what's going on at, at Tower Hill. So we had to do a bit of digging, but eventually there is a slide on one of the numerous presentations they've come out with in recent months stating that the approvals slash development timeline is anticipated to take two to three years, including relocation of a railway. So at least three years from first ore, and that's the real contingency for those 52.2 million shares. Let's just touch on why that matters, right? So yeah. so St. Barbara, they, they call this, well, you know, St. Barbara and Genesis call this a $600 million deal, right? But $60, 60 million of that is this contingent component. And, and it might not seem like much, and we're only going to chip a little bit off of it, right? But but it actually does matter when we when we talk about the context of what the premiums are in this deal. This this little piece matters a fair bit. So they're putting forward this six hundred million dollar price tag for including full tote value of shares that are priced that, that don't even vest until three years in the future, potentially if Tower Hill first or is ever achieved. Yeah, and in their announcement, Saint Barbara have valued those shares at the closing price from the previous day. So they value the shares, not at what they're being issued at $1.15, they valued them at $1.35 and a half. So, and that's $60 million in three years' time. Exactly. If you discount that back. So if you, if you were to you know, discount that, what, we, what we've done in our maths is taken 20% off. And I think we can agree that that's sort of on the conservative side. If you're sort of looking at a future value of $60 million and you discount that at... 7% for three years, that kind of equates to roughly taking 20% off the top just now for simplicity to keep, to keep the math simple. That's ignoring any probability that first order is never achieved. You know, there could be some... It's a big risk, yeah. That's, that's, you know, we're, yeah. We're, being, we're being generous. Yeah, so St. Barbara called the deal $641 million as of yesterday. That's how they value that given that the Genesis shares have appreciated since the deal. And... On an after-tax basis to St. Barbara shareholders, they estimate that value at $612 million. So, Travis, Inclu Including the – and that includes the $60 million contingent. Entire package. Yep. That's right. And that also includes – yeah, that's after-tax. So, the taxes that St. Barbara would have to pay on, on the deal. Yep. So, let's get into Silver Lake now. Silver Lake say their bid is worth $732 million. So, on paper, $406 million million is to come from the issuance of new stock and the rest from cash. 
and they use a share price of $1.24. So St. Barbara valued that after tax at $668 million. So straight up on paper, you can see they significantly value the Silver Lake bid higher than the Genesis bid. And I think they call it 9%, but we will sort of use use our assumptions and try and really identify or put kind of our weighting to what we see those numbers at. Yeah, this, this, is, this is an important factor, right? Because St. Barbara, they've, they've stood behind um, the argument that this is not a, a superior offer. One of the reasons for the fact that the fiduciary uh, you know, out isn't isn't sort of you know triggered is is the fact that it's it's only it's only a mega nine percent um, premium to the Genesis offer and and I think what the point we're trying to make is actually no it's more than nine percent and even if it was nine percent it seems pretty substantial nonetheless right so the, the reason it's more than the nine percent comes from two big factors the first one is if we appropriately value that contingent consideration piece by you know applying a fair value haircut to the fact that it is contingent doesn't vest until the future when we apply a 20% haircut to that you know that that changes that 9% immediately to more, to more like you know an 11.5% um, premium and then and then you know further to that let's let's also just factor in the share price movements that have happened since the announcement we're, we're talking intraday today on friday it's you know it's midday perth time and just using the current share prices, um, you know, adjusting, adjusting for the offer parameters there, you know, we're actually a lot closer now to 15%. Yeah. So that's using $1.22 for Genesis and that's using $1.19.5 for Silver Lake, which is roughly 11 o'clock Friday where we pulled those prices from. So the, the total value we get just from doing our rough numbers on the Genesis deal now is $575 million and for Silver Lake, we're coming to about $655 million. The, re- the, real, the real premium, when you factor in the share price movement that's happened since the deal was announced, right? Because there's been material share price movement since the, the deal um, or, or this, 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 thing, this part of the deal has evolved. When you factored that in, you're actually talking about a 14% premium now, 13.8% premium. And, and I mean, like, let's, let's put that in real dollar terms because it's, you know, it's easy to think in percentages, but let's talk about what sort of value is left on the table there. And, and we've, we've factored in the break fee and the tax components, you know, in, into our math as well. And in the exact same way that, that St. Barbara have, we've, all we've done is applied that, you know, that, that different parameter on that contingent consideration piece. And, and we get 80 million bucks of value left on the table that could potentially be up for grabs for the, uh, for the, for the St. Barbara shareholders. So it's a, and it's a pretty big potential value uplift that St. Barbara shareholders could get. And it's a pretty so it's a pretty bold stance for the St. Barbara board to continue to stand behind um, saying that, you know, the fiduciary out isn't triggered. When you're looking now at a, about a 15% premium and uh, an 80 million bucks on the table. Yeah, so even on their numbers, that, that 9% value differentiation between the deals, how, how they valued it, was enough to sort of intrigue us and think that, you know, there's potential for that fiduciary out, as they call it. But now using our sort of rough numbers, $80 million, that's increased, and that's, you know, roughly 14% greater in value. It's, it's something I think we should unpack a bit more. And so what we're going to do is just go through dot by dot through the seven points that St. Barbara provided 
as to why they don't think the Silver Lake deal is superior to the Genesis deal. And we're just going to interpret what we think they're trying to say in each of these points. And so these, these are the seven dot points that, that St. Barbara wrote on their, their, you know, basically their defensive letter as sort of providing some rationale once the deal was leaked via Silver Lake's media release as to why they didn't open the door. Yeah. And on YouTube, we'll flash them up so you don't have to hear us read a good bit. It'd be an easy one to watch. So on a post-tax basis and factoring in the break fee of $5.4 million to Genesis, the deal that uh, represents a modest 9% premium in value to the Genesis transaction based on the closing share price of both Genesis and Silver Lake as of 3rd of May. As, as we discussed, you know, yeah. just, just above JD, you know, on my math, that's 13.8% because yeah. of the, the share price movement since, but more importantly, the discount to the contingent consideration that you should reasonably apply. Yeah, and we've highlighted the, the assumptions we've used and what we're really honing in on those contingencies. So I think we've really fleshed out that point quite a bit and we can jump into the next one. Point number two, in St. Barbara's view, Silver Lake has not provided any reasonable or quantitative assumptions to support its proposed offer price, which could otherwise be confirmed via due diligence. Probably more of a stalling point, wouldn't you say? I think it's quite easy to sort of see the value of script in real time. They can just, you know, look on Comsec or on Look and Google and see, you know, it's public, it's all out there. And the markets are sort of pricing in that deal. You can kind of see from what Maddie highlighted at the top of the show, what the what the market's thinking of this. Yeah, JD. I mean, like the St. Barbara board here, they're, they're, they're basically, you know, their point here is that we need to know your plans for Gualia so that we can properly value the SLR component of the script for our shareholders here. Um, it's not a particularly compelling defense when we've got, um, you know, real-time tickers of, of the stocks that trade and that's the easiest way to value what's currently being priced in. Absolutely. So number three, the Silver Lake proposal is conditional on due diligence and obtaining finance. So there's, there's a few different facets why I think this one's quite interesting and what trying to sort of surmise what they're really talking about. I think it's about speed and certainty. So St. Barbara have a, a cash flow problem. This is pretty well documented and at a later point, we'll sort of flesh it out a bit more. But Silver Lake have, as of the last quarter, $268 million cash on hand already. They've got operating mines, which are churning out cash. I don't see this as such a, a feasible problem. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, conditional on finance. Like maybe that would be like a, a you know a valid sort of defence if you really thought that the counterparty um, might have issues getting finance. But when you look at their their cash balance of two hundred sixty eight million bucks already, and they're, they're strongly you know cash generative assets and the real value of collateral that they have, like like you know raising US one hundred fifty million bucks of debt is no issue at all. And they talk about bringing in tourists into their due diligence for that two-week period that they want to look into it. And the fact they've named Taurus in the announcement means they've already spoken to Taurus. Absolutely. That's what I was getting at. They've, they've 100% spoken about this deal. So point number four. Point number four. So the lack of synergies and strategic fit between Silver Lake assets and Leonora in contrast to the significant synergies which St. Barbara shareholders are expected to benefit from as the holders of Genesis shares under the Genesis transaction. That's kind of interesting. I, I almost agree with the point, but why do why does St. Barbara have to make this one? It's it's a tough one to think about. And this what they're really getting at here, or what we're getting at rather, is why are Silver Lake bidding for these assets? They they don't have the same synergies that I see that that, that Genesis would have. So Genesis Ulysses project is thirty odd kilometers. They've um, got 
more than a majority ownership. They've got over 80% now of Dacian. So part of the plan was tracking that Tower Hill stuff out to Mount Morgans. Um, in the media release that Silver Lake provided, they, they had a quote that said the potential to realise significant administrative synergies. And the point goes on a bit, but that really highs up, that really makes you understand that even the Silver Lake board and management understand that there's no operational or logistical synergies as it stands now. So, Because yeah, we'll put a map up on YouTube just to yeah. show you've got Silver Lake's Mount Munger assets, then they've got their deflector and Rothsay asset, <coughs> pardon me, assets. And Leonora is right in the middle, far away from both. So there's no operational things. But as you said, that the Tower, the Tower Hill thing will play a part because – if they take this over, they can go control the Gualia mill. Well, Tower, they can't really process all of Tower Hill there because they won't have capacity. I think Gualia is 1.2 to 1.4 million tonne. Yeah, so, that. You've, so. D- you've, you've dug a bit deeper and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this sort of Gualia hub, these these Leonora assets. Let's just sort of hypothesise, Maddie. What what other assets are in that area? What, what other names have we sort of spoken about, like, what else could they sort of do? Well, let's look at what Rally was planning to do. So he was planning to blend the Ulysses ore with the Gualia ore at the Leonora mill and then truck the higher volume of the Tower Hill all the way to Mount Morgans. Whereas as we discussed in the previous episode, you've got King of the Hill, which is I think 30 kilometres from Tower Hill, yep. a lot closer than the distance that they've got to truck it to, um, to the Mount Morgans mill. So is this part of a logical consolidation that Silver Lake want to take on to consolidate the Leonora region rather than Genesis taking it on? Because like, let's picture it, so if at the, at the moment, like Rally will be left with Ulysses in nowhere that he owns to process it other than trucking it all the way to Mount Morgans where if Silver Lake took control of the Gualia mill. Uh, the Tower Hill mine, which as you said is three, possibly three years away, but when that does come online ample of time that uh, Silver Lake could possibly take over Red 5 to gain control of that mill to create a con- – and they're, look, they're twice as big as Rally. They've got – as you say, they've got operating operating assets that are producing cash. Uh, Ulysses hasn't even got a DFS or anything yet. There's a couple of points here that I think we'd be remiss not to mention as well. Silver Lake, I'm sure, would think that they can operate these assets better. Uh, that's Gualia I'm talking about specifically – and why, why do you think that? That's an interesting, interesting comment, I think. I mean, I don't think they're the, the only ones that sort of think this, you know. Like, I'm sure that's what Raleigh sort of implies as well. If you just look at the, the all-in sustaining cost. Oh, so, uh, as in operate it better than St. Barbara, not have operate been doing, it better yeah. than Genesis. That's, that's right, better yeah. than uh, St. Barbara as it's like, currently. Ooh, that would have caused some... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and there's an interesting point I think worth mentioning as well. Uh, Trav and I have done a bit of digging into the, the history of, of these assets. So David Quinlivan and Luke Tonkin, currently running the show at Silver Lake, we're both at different times CEOs of Sons of Gualia, who famously held the, the Gualia mine. 
bit of love so, for Leonora going on here. Yeah. It's a love story at the bottom of it all. And, of course, Riley has a bit of history with, with the area as well. So God, it, I'd, like to, I'd find an easier place to love so, than so, Leonora so personally. Ra- but. Well, Raul Ra- 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 obviously uh, loves it because it's his home, so he, want, he wants it. Uh, and in what you're saying, JD, is uh, Luke Tonkin and, and David Quinn live maybe not from there, but they love it because it was part of their formative years of their career. Yeah, and JD, born in Leonora. Are you going to make a competing there, offer? Are you, are you uh, <laughs> a, a resident for a long time? Are you going to get involved? Probably a non-executive director or I something d- like I don't that think I can of claim the pro I was, former. I don't think I can claim I was a resident for, for too long in my... <laughs> In my younger years, but well, I think, I think I think I think there's another point there too, right? And that's that, like, let's talk about the DNA of of Silver Lake. These guys are not known for, you know, they're they're super disciplined about their capital allocation. They're, they're, they don't spend silly money on M and A. They're they're super thoughtful about the way that they, um, you know, manage costs, and they don't they don't have these goals on production. They're focused on margin. All these sorts of things that you you, you want to see in a disciplined gold miner focused on returns to shareholders. And it, it'd be strange if they wanted to pay you know like a a, a a fair or a moderate price for an underperforming asset if they didn't have some other strategy behind it i think they're withholding what their strategy is in the region but we can speculate that it's regional consolidation yeah let's let's also remember they they've got the deflector asset and they've got a reputation for turning that out turning that round rather and turning it into a, a cash producing asset they did what looks to be quite a smart acquisition in Hart. So that's the Sugar Zone mine up in Canada. It was quite an interesting one how they they bought the debt out of that. And they're also the company that really brought to the fore in recent times this um, margin over ounces. So really prioritizing actual cash flow and returns to shareholders as opposed to just digging out more dirt and gold. So mm-hmm. there, because... The way they operated, um, like Daisy Milano, was all you know, single single boom, trying to keep everything as as small as possible, drive sizes small. Might have been a bit slower mining rate than you know your conventional you know twin twin boom jumbos using singles. It's a bit slower, but it really controls the you know your, your dilution and I guess the bang for buck on the on the ore body. So that is their mindset. Mm-hmm. So, Next point. That, that won't apply at Gua- – that doesn't apply at Gualia, but that was yeah. there. As you said, it uh, fits with the way you're talking about their cash, their yeah, view and on the cash flow and yeah, yeah. cash management. So what are you up to now? Fifth point. Fifth point. Under the non-binding indicative and conditional proposal from Silver Lake, St. Barbara post-transaction would have significantly less cash to fund its obligations and capital requirements compared to the transaction agreement with Genesis. Oh, this is interesting, right? So I, like I, I read this point and I think – here come the real reasons. It's uh, the, 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 it's all about the cash flow, and um, I think it kind of you know this gets this gets you know put 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 a point number five, but it's um just so it just just so it doesn't look so obvious. Uh, so I, I did a bit of thinking, and you know in the Genesis deal, you go through the you go through the documents, and we'll put a slide up on the on the YouTube video, um, and you can see that you know on a, on a pro forma basis with the Genesis deal, Saint Barbara would have one hundred twenty two million dollars of cash at the end of that. In the Silver Lake deal. There's a lower cash component and a higher script component. So when you're trying to calculate the pro forma cash position of St. Barbara, you know, there's, there's two parts to that. There's, um, there's obviously the fact that yeah, there's lower cash in the door. There's higher transaction costs because they, there's an incurred break fee. Um, and there's also a higher tax payable, um, which, you know, our assumptions on, on the tax payable, we, we, we come out with about um, $41 million cash on a pro forma basis for St. Barbara. And so I think, you know, 41 million bucks versus 122 million bucks on a pro forma basis makes a pretty big 
difference to whatever your plans are for that company after the end of this deal is actually over. And in a lot of ways, you know, what has St. Barbara got? They've got, they're going to have two assets at the end of the deal that require a fair bit of money to be spent on them in order for them to become valuable. And I imagine that that the, the, you know, the amount of money that needs to be spent on that assets is, is going to be north of 41 million bucks. Um, and so maybe there's a funding problem that's actually underlying some of this too. I think that's a great point and we're going to dig into it further in one of the later points again. So we'll jump into the next point. The requirement in the Silver Lake proposal for an independent experts report in connection with the Silver Lake shareholder vote. St. Barbara understands that this independent experts report would be commissioned to opine on whether the transaction is fair and reasonable to Silver Lake's shareholders, creating significant risk to any transaction if this outcome was not confirmed. Yeah, I mean, I think the big issue here is probably just the time factor. I mean, we talked about St. Barbara's uh, cash flow problems and, and it's the moment you get an independent expert to opine on a transaction, that, that takes time. Um, and if that elongates things or stretches things out further then, I mean, I think that could be the, the bigger dynamic at play here for St. Barbara because it has, you know, material impact to the sort of, you know, the interim cash flow dynamics of the company. Absolutely. That point I read it is all, all about time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, next point, the significant time risk associated with any engagement with Silver Lake, given that any due diligence is realistically likely to extend significantly beyond the proposed two weeks, including the time frame for St. Barbara to undertake reverse DD on Silver Lake. Even if the required mutual DD could be completed within two weeks, Silver Lake has indicated that expected completion of the transaction would occur in mid to late August. This contrasts with the Genesis transaction, which is expected to complete on or around the 30th of June, 2023. JD. This is a big one. I'd wait two months for a 70 million, wouldn't you? (laughs) Well, we'll sort of break down if if it's that simple. But yeah, St. Barbara, like we've stressed already, need cash. Um, Two weeks is a bit of a, a... tight time frame for due diligence but uh their quarterly so this came out a couple of weeks ago the for the march quarter from saint barbara that is highlighted net cash inflow of 22 million dollars for the quarter now this was predominantly on the back of a 20 million dollar debt drawdown so they had 60 million dollars <sighs> cash at bank they had debt canadian of 80 million dollars and of australian 70 million dollars so at the end of March, their net debt position was, in Australian dollars, $112 million. They also had uh, guidance for various costs, and they're looking to spend between 8 and $28 million more on sustaining CapEx. That's just to keep those, those assets ticking over. So the, the costs don't, don't slow down there. And I think we need to sort of cast our eyes back to why the initial deal fell over. One of the key covenants of that initial deal was a $163 million net debt position for St. Barbara that, that couldn't be breached, that would sort of make the initial transaction void. Now, there's potential for St. Barbara's environmental performance bonds for their Atlantic asset in Canada to jump from $41 million Canadian to $71 million Canadian. And these would most likely need to be cash-backed, so that would be another 30-odd million Canadian, so call it a bit more in Aussie dollar terms, that would need to be put aside. And if we just look at the net cash flow, so if you look at the, the cash flow statement from St. Barbara at their last quarterly and the net change in cash, I'll just read out for the last five quarters, negative 15 million, 
plus 20 million, negative 34 million, negative 27 million, plus 22 million. Now this is being generous. This includes over that time, $29 million in debt drawdown. So even, even, with, even with debt drawdown, three, three of their last five quarters is negative cash outflow. The, the change yeah. in cash has been negative. So yeah, don't look at the income statement, look at the cash flow statement here and just see the change in level of cash. So cash flow feels like a real issue, doesn't it, Trav? Oh, mate. Like I think that could be a big driving factor here. I mean, like, like hypothetically, right, if you're – if you are St. Barbara and, and you've just done this deal with Genesis and you can, you can visibly see like completion timing um, out, you know, and you can, you can pin a date on that. I think like if you are having cash flow problems because you had visibility on completion timing, what you can start to do to, you know, like work around those cash flow problems is you could probably start to negotiating um, a few payables to occur once that, you know, cash comes in the door. And, and so, you know, if you, if you look at what the dynamics could be now that, a competing bid from Silver Lake could elongate that process. I think it just it just throws the whole kind of cash flow dynamics of this company into question even further, especially if they if they like in a hype. I'm speaking hypothetically here, but if they had sort of negotiated payables to come yeah, a, a and, visible completion date. And we didn't even mention in in the last couple of months that the assets that produce those cash flows have had downgrades and so on. So the company even flagged a, a few months back now in the midst of deal one and deal two, call it that they would need to raise if the deal fell over. So mm. the the writing's kind of on the wall in, in that front. I think, I think look, we, we've run through what those points were in the St. Barbara letter is sort of, you know, their rebuttal. And I think we've highlighted what we, we seem as sort of, we're kind of anticipating what Silver Lake might say in response. I think that's what we're, the angle we're taking and, and, and some of the valid arguments that Silver Lake might make um, ultimately in, in defense of St. Barbara's own shareholders in some ways. Um, and and I think it's actually important to talk about what's not in this letter from St. Barbara because there's one pretty important thing that was left out, I think. And it was highlighted in highlighted, Silver Lake. It was absolutely highlighted by Silver Lake. And that's that's the fact that, that St. Barbara's two largest shareholders, L1 and Baker Steel, who collectively represent 18% of St. Barbara's register, they're siding with Silver Lake. It's pretty, it's pretty bold for... Well, the bloody hell, wouldn't you, if they're offering more money? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's what makes the dynamics of, Silv- of, of St. Barbara's board's position here even more fascinating. You, you, they're kind of, you know, their, their, their stance is that our fiduciary out hasn't been triggered. Yet you look at the, their two um, largest shareholders of that company, who that fiduciary duty is supposed to apply to, are saying, no, we want to consider this deal from... Silver Lake. And for those that don't know, that sort of duty really just means do right by your shareholders, doesn't it? The owners of the company. Absolutely. And I mean, like it reminds me like a, of, a, of a, um, a comment that I read this morning uh, from, from mining analyst John McDonald, who opined briefly on it. And his, his quote was, St. Barbara shareholders might want a closer examination of the Silver Lake proposal than the St. Barbara board has allowed. They also might want to be rid of St. Barbara management and take their chances with Silver Lake. Uh, and Johnny Mack is usually not a very enigmatic character. I felt that was quite a strong statement from him. So Genesis back up to dollar twenty-five, as we've spoken in this uh, podcast, lads. FYI. Now, question yeah. to you two: Why has Silver Lake waited till now, after all this Genesis uh, deals, to now put their deal forward? Why? Why wasn't it done earlier? Do you think? Do you have any views? Yeah, I think I've got a view on that one, Maddie. So, 
I think I think it was probably anticipated by Genesis that Silver Lake had some interest here. You know, like WA is pretty small and you kind of know the who's who and who's interested in what. And I think, um, you know, I would speculate that more than likely um, the reason why, you know, RAL has done a recut and not let St. Barbara potentially, you know, go down the path of, of administration if it so got to that, I don't know, um, and, and where you could pick it up cheaper is because you didn't want a, an auction with Silver Lake. Because once I go into administration, it's open to everyone then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, so, so I, think, I think what happened when the recut occurred, though, is all of a sudden it sort of it paved the, the pathway for, for an interloper to actually, you know, like all of a sudden it set the precedent that you can actually just acquire the Leonora stuff, which I'm, is I'm sure is also what like really wanted anyway. Um, and, and it basically just set a price tag on what that would be. And so Silver Lake have put in a higher offer. Bringing social media to the forefront, which I'm sure everyone, uh, these people will love. The fact that why this is so surprising and so curly is the fact that Rally Finlandson was literally at Gualia on two weeks ago presenting to the team about the deal. Um, and then there was also a post from Dan Locker, the St. Barbara CEO, uh, saying he's handed the keys over. So... Considering that it looked absolutely locked in and now this has just absolutely thrown a spanner in the works, don't we think? Big time. We should we should there's a, a few angles, Maddie, and like that that sort of, you know, celebrating the finish line before it's here kind of dynamic is something we can we can touch on. I think there's you know, there's, there's that's definitely the human the real human elements I think are driving some of the, the decisions here. Um, one of them, I think, is is just deal fatigue, right? Like if you're if you are the St. Barbara board, you've probably spent the best half of the last year working on this deal, and I, I don't know how many recuts there have been, but you know we've we've certainly seen a few detours publicly. So it, it, just imagine imagine just getting to the finish line, feeling like here's an outcome finally, and even though it's been horrendous for their shareholders along the way, it looks like the end is in sight. Think about the poor bankers, Trev. Though, <laughs> how many times have they recut the deal? Oh, mate, I, 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 I have I'd a lot to, of a lot of sleepless nights. I dare say, I'd hate to be on it. Um, there's no doubt, you know, yeah. it's, it would be a, a grueling one. Um, and so, yeah, advisor fatigue would be a real thing. Um, you know, management fatigue. Like, and, and there's also commitment bias. You've you've sort of wedded yourself into into a partner here, and you've you've locked yourself off from the opportunity. Of, of, of another party, even though the, the upside to your shareholders might actually be higher by pursuing it. Yeah, it's a great point. And there's, there's a few other thoughts which I think we need to chat about. So there was a line in that St. Barbara announcement that Genesis have a matching right. It's a part of that no talk, no shop exclusivity arrangement. So the, the break fee that we incorporated into the, the sort of math that we did of $5.4 million dollars plays into this but yeah what that matching right essentially is is they have the right to match any proposed deal that um that saint barbara gets pitched to it totally so. and, and i think yeah like if if it sort of comes about that you know maybe there is a fiduciary um obligation here then you know and and then it, it goes down that path and of course genesis reserved the right to match it and and maybe i think what you're seeing in that genesis share price coming off since is the market in some ways kind of pricing in the potential that that will happen. Yeah. And to expand on that point really and just hypothesize about a potential matching deal, we can talk about that greater than 20% shareholder sort of rule. So 
What this sort of states is that if St. Barbara become a greater than 20% shareholder in Genesis, that would require an independent expert report. And of course, like we highlighted before, that takes a lot of time and so on. But there's a couple other issues around that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I mean, like if, if you're, so I think it's, just, it's like an, an ASIC guideline, um, you know, one of those things where if it, it, being above 20% is deemed a change of control for the purposes of, um, you know, the transaction and independent expert report is required to, to consider it uh, fair and reasonable. And, and part of the fair and reasonable analysis is the independent expert conducting evaluation and that valuation would need to be applied to, to Genesis. And so it's like, how do you, how does an independent expert wrap their head around, um, you know, considering the valuation of Genesis is fair and reasonable when you sort of look at their existing assets and you try to back solve the current market cap. And we all know there's a giant management premium baked into that valuation today, but an independent expert's going to struggle to say that. Yeah. And it's probably with, with good reason. We have seen a lot of reputable management teams, you know, perform really well. Capricorn comes to mind. They've got that premium, but they've, they've really executed on it. So it's not to be completely discredited. And your, it, Ulysses hasn't, isn't, you know, converted to the higher levels of the resource yet. It's, yeah, it's still it's, doesn't have a mind plan. Like It's no coincidence that the the outcome of the final deal with the contingent payment took that shareholding to 19.9%. And you do see this all the time in the market, why companies buy just under a certain threshold. It's it's for these sorts of rules and regulations. Uh, did, we, did we really answer the question as to why ASX have not allowed the Silver Lake announcement to get up. Mate, this is seriously this is the perplexing. Biggest, like this is yeah. this is one of the most more curious angles here, right? Like, not, and, what, look, and by the way, what is what is the the fact that Silver Lake have put it on their website? Yeah, is that I love the approach. There's obviously and the fact that he's oh, wording yeah. that I approved this ASX didn't. There totally. is some fire yeah. in oh, that. Th- this is this is MA strategy, right? But I'm sure Silver Lake wanted this on the platform. Like, there's no doubt the fact that they said it wasn't approved by ASX is then basically guiding the market to saying we weren't allowed to put it on ASX. And, and and hypothetically speaking, like what what is ASX's defense here? I mean, if they if, if their defense is we didn't deem this to be material, how can you possibly stand behind that when you saw the insane like double digit intraday share price movement in these stocks yesterday? It was clearly material. So yeah. what what does what do you mean by when you say it wasn't material. Well, 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 I'm I'm speculating on why ASX may have rejected this, right? If and, and one of their rejections may have been we don't deem it material, um, and if that was their defense, like it's a preposterous what, what defense. Is, I guess it's, what does it's, that it's mean? What, is, on, what does material yeah. mean? Like if something is not material, it's like as in it Expected shouldn't to have a shouldn't have the share any, price. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's uh, you null see, and void you see now. so many announcements come out that you know, don't necessarily move the share price. It's kind of a ludicrous angle to take. And when you consider what the ASX is and an exchange for companies to trade on, then it's kind of perplexing to think why they wouldn't allow this announcement to the shareholders who are the owners of the company. They seriously need to explain. I mean, it's honestly like that. ASX has a monopoly on trading effectively. And like it's a legislative monopoly. Like you you just have to defend this position. It's preposterous to me. The fact that it's made our show means it is material, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it might turn out we've had a rant here and it, um, and Silver Lake just wanted to put it on their website only, but, you know, we're, we're, we're making some assumptions here. Um, but I, I genuinely, I think we need an explanation from ASX. Absolutely. There's one other thing worth mentioning. Tim Nietzsche, after eight years, this was highlighted in the, uh, the recent quarterly, but had been in the works for quite a while, is stepping down as chair of St. Barbara. So Kerry Gleason has been thrown into the into the hot seat there. Not a not a position I, I think I'd like to jump straight into. So 
yeah, that, that a bit of moving around with the board there, which doesn't sort of help for, for continuity, but I'm sure they'll press on, but worth mentioning, I think. Right. Let's talk about next steps, where it goes from here. This could be a, the people involved in this deal won't be getting much of a weekend, I don't think. What happens? So can – what, who? Yeah, who's who's in the driver's seat? Because as you said, yeah. they've said Saint Barbara have said this is why we don't like the Silver Lake deal, mm. which is a significant premium to our existing. Uh, as you said, essentially not acting in the best interest of their shareholders who have been burnt for so long and want some sort of appreciation in the share price, which there has been as a result of this. Can uh, Genesis now just match? Well, Silver Lake deal. It, w- it won't come moment, to that until to. until you know the, there's some acknowledgement that the, there's a change in the um, fiduciary sort of element to it. Um, so I would, uh, if, if I were to sort of anticipate what happens now, like Barb's and Genesis are definitely on the back foot, and um, you know Silver Lake is probably drafting a response to St Barbara's announcement, and um, you know it'll probably it'll honestly it'll probably capture some of the points that we've talked about today, and some of those are pretty logical points I would have thought. And St. Barbara is probably anticipating how they're going to respond to that. But I imagine a degree of pressure will ultimately mount on St. Barbara board to the extent where maybe they reconsider, you know, their position in relation to the, their fiduciary obligations. And, and if it comes to that, then, you know, and it progresses to, to, a, to an offer um, and there's due diligence and et cetera, then, yeah. then Genesis probably end up having to match it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, where the shares trade over the, the coming few days. And that will that could potentially put increasing pressure on the on the St. Barbara board to backtrack and perhaps identify that this meets that sort of fiduciary out. And, and how does how did, how did Genesis fund matching it right? Because that's the interesting one f- for me. Because are they gonna are they gonna want to avoid that twenty percent you know threshold in, yeah. in terms of where, where St. Barbara you like would sit assume, on the register? You would so, in, in which you? case, like do they like is they, they go to the equity markets for more? Do they is there debt? component to it you know like because because they're a bit constrained on on this on this you know the script front so oh, um, super and rcf have already upped their commitments from that from that first time i'll so. be getting another another tap another on call. the shoulder yep. but i think that was uh that offering was there wasn't much to go around to other other funds as well from what i know because most of it went to rcf and oz super so it could bring other funds into play to participate in that um, but, what, but it looks like a worse deal, you know, like the, it's, it's less attractive on a, on a rehash basis. So, yeah, more people could come in, but there might be less demand overall. It's a harder sell. Is there a risk that if this drags out too long and this deal isn't cut that St. Barbara could go and be forced into administration if they don't get cash? I know, Jada, you mentioned... Mate, we're going to have to call in our good friends at uh, Quartamenta for some advice on this <laughs> after giving them some fr- uh, free marketing in our uh, interview with... Uh, with uh, uh, you know, Gascoigne and um, good old Simon Lawson, I reckon uh, we'll, we'll call up Andrew Reid and ask. Yeah. I and would say if what about the government? What about the bo- environmental bond overseas, JD? You were mentioning to me earlier that was an interesting. Yeah, point. that's yeah. So like we sort of touched on before, there is that potential roughly thirty-five million dollar in Aussie dollars pressure on the the cash flow of Saint Barbara. But one thing I, I would speculate is if I had. I don't know, 50-odd million lying around and I could see that there's a deal at, you know, at the end of the tunnel, then, you know, you could put on an extortionate interest rate and, and loan it out knowing that you could get back paid. So I, I wouldn't say that St. Barbara now are in danger of 
going bankrupt. No, uh, yeah, bridge finance for acquisitions is like, uh, super super commonplace. It, it would it would be capable of being doing this. You know, price you pay for that. But exactly. Yeah. What's our okay? What's each of our predictions of how this is going to unfold over the next two years in the Leonora area? Mate, I reckon we'd be foolish to try and predict that. Like, look at how many changes in this deal there's been already. Like, we're just going to look stupid. There could be a prize. <laughs> that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's, Northern Star's going to come in and, and, and buy it all. I'm joking. I've got no idea. It's just um... okay. So hypothetically, if Silver Lake take control of the Leonora assets and uh, Genesis are left with only Ulysses and Mount Morgans from Dacian, where does that then play out? Because they're the only way they can then mill the Ulysses ore is through Silver Lake Mill. And then you've got Red 5 sitting there as well, which is close to their Silver Lake's Tower Hill deposit. Or do you think it's a low probability that Silver Lake will get over the line on this? Oh, it probably is low probability, but you don't quite know, right? Like, I think it's low probability just because of the matching, right? Um, but you don't know. You don't know. I, I, you know, if they if they do get over the line on it, you can you can paint a picture of the argument for the merger with Genesis and Red Five. You know, that, but like both of those deals sort of look plausible. Okay, but then, what if Silver Lake don't get over the line? What actions can they take? Because they look like they've been they've put a superior offer in and not been allowed to post the announcement on the ASX, and they couldn't cut the deal. Like. What what actions can they take towards this? I think there's there's one more option up Silver Lake's sleeve, and that is that is you know gathering more of St Barbara's shareholders. You know, at the moment, they've got just the two top ones, and that's eighteen percent. If they start rallying more of them together to provide you know an indicative support for this, then then that changes the equation drastically and pretty quickly. Yeah, we do need to highlight as well that shareholders need to approve the the Genesis St Barbara deal. There'll be a vote on that in, in June, I think. So, Okay, and then considering, as you said, the two biggest shareholders are on the Silver Lake train, it appears. So, and what do they hold? 18%, 18% between them. So, wow, there's a lot to unfold, gentlemen. Very exciting. Great, great digging. And look, this will feed into our future episode that will have to happen, the history of, well, God, you could do a history of St. Barbara or a history of just Gualia, but there's a lot of uh, lot of synergies, as you pointed out before, that, you know, Luke Tonkin used to work for, he was the CEO for Sons of Gualia, and then the yeah. fact that Sons of Gualia owned Green bushes. Yeah. And I mean, the companies themselves were sort of playing into this a while ago with, with Hoover House. It was at the, the very early days of the Gualia mine. So there's a long history that we'll unpack someday. Very good. Very good. Right. Very, oh, do we go? Do we even need a recap of other news after this? But tell you what, look, we did our little segment on Vulcan yesterday. They are down 18% on the back of the raising that wow. we discussed yesterday. Wow. 18%. Mate, that's um, that's like I mean, obviously you do you raise at a discount, and then this is what they've opened at the next day as a discount to the raise price. Wow, I mean, I mean, like you know, there actually wasn't even new information in in the announcement when they did the capital raise, other than the fact that they had to order long lead items. So, um, when you see you know stock open like that the day after the raise, uh, it's sort of, it's usually indicative that it was a pretty hard book to fill. And and when you look at like you know who was who was underwriting that um, you know that that capital raise right it was it was Canaccord and, and Bank of America 
B of A, they have a bit of a reputation in Australia for being pretty reckless with their balance sheet. So, um, yeah, I, like, and it was a fully underwritten deal. So, wow. Super interesting because Vulcan had over 100 million euros from what we could tell in cash on, you know, already that who knows if they uh, really needed to do this or what, what management sort of thinking was there, but them coming off 18% and I think we said they were capped at 880 yesterday so that that marks off the entire sum that they raised so wow and uh carnaby they also hit 134 meters at 1.6% copper up 4% today and now capped at 175 million yeah so we got that maiden for resource for a copper explorer or copper's in demand like we've touched on and yeah. that maiden resource i think this quarter we're expecting that one so well that, that sort of validates mr beeman's comment on money of mine the other week saying that the copper intersections at woodlawn by themselves he thought it's a comp an exploration company will be capped at 200 million so here's the proof of the pudding that 175 million dollar copper explorer there you go Hooteroo, lads. Hooteroo. Have a great weekend, Money Miners. And that was a very exciting episode. And as always, JD and Trav, great research, great digging and great insight. And I will just uh, keep the knee slappers coming. Good <laughs> stuff, guys. Hooteroo. Have a great weekend. See you next week, Money Miners. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.